Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Let us talk today about the power of persistence. No one is more persistent than our Father in heaven. He is relentlessly pursuing us. He remembers his covenant from generation to generation. He remembers the promises he has made to you and to me for our life. And he remembers the covenants that he has made from the time that he created us at the very beginning of all time. Those covenants that he made at the very beginning and were passed from generation to generation through hundreds and thousands of years have come down to us to be specific for our time and our place for our life. Paul, in the letter to the Galatians, had to be relentless also in his letters to those first first Christians as they wrestled with the difference between the words they heard in the works of the law and the words of the Spirit that the apostles had brought them. And Jesus, who didn't write any of these words, had his actions be his testimony. He wasn't about head knowledge. He was about loving action. And in the story that he tells us today about perseverance, we see that that is the relationship we have with the Father. He has an infinite patience for us to keep turning around when we fall down, when we turn away from Him. All the words that we share together in this podcast are meaningless unless we put them into action as the commandments of God given to us are in these words that we read together. Let us look at the Galatians story today where we see Paul so angry. He uses words that are shocking. Paul says in Galatians 3, O stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Christ Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? He is calling them stupid a couple of times, bewitched. Who are these Galatians? Galatia is roughly modern-day Turkey, and as a Roman province in the area of Asia Minor, it had a northern province and a southern province. The northern one has mountains and it was named after the Celts from Gaul who were there 300 years before Christ. And the southern one that was added by the Romans had important cities like Antioch, Pisidia and Iconium that are places that Paul visits. In fact, we know that it's in Antioch that Christians are called Christians first. The recipients of this letter were part of several churches. And Paul and Barnabas had traveled there where there were Jewish people that were wrestling with whether they should follow Mosaic law, specifically with the idea of circumcision or not. And what was the relationship of that law of Moses to the spirit that they brought with them from Jesus that was in the Holy Spirit? They were confused and the central dispute caused a lot of consternation. That causes Paul to tell them, are you really going to go back to just the works of the law and just understand that? Or are you going to follow the faith that you heard? He is establishing for them 
the fight between the spirit and the flesh and reminding them not to follow the flesh because vanity results from that. Mighty deeds had occurred before them. Many of the people had even seen Jesus in Jerusalem and as they traveled back and forth in the Mediterranean, they had been eyewitnesses to the crucifixion. For those of us that are only hearing these words a couple thousand years after Paul wrote them, we can understand that the same fight of the spirit and the flesh is part of our life, that we can just have head knowledge, that we can just read things and become knowledgeable, even wise. But we are being asked to put our faith in action and to be followed by others if we are only in the Spirit of God, if we are being led by the Holy Spirit. At that time, some of them followed Paul, some of them followed Paul, some of them followed Barnabas, uh, some of them followed Silas, Titus, others. And there were fights amongst them, Apollo, Cephas, depending on who baptized them. So all of it has to return back to the authority of Peter and in the Petrine authority that we've talked about in a previous episode, we have then the keys of the kingdom being aligned so that all of us are of one mind, of one heart and one spirit as we worship and follow the commandments of our Father. Responsorial Psalm has a verse from Luke first and tells us, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. In it, we are blessing the Lord. We are calling him the Lord of Israel, who are the chosen people. And we are remembering that he has come to us. He has bent down in solidarity with us to walk amongst us. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior of the house of his servant David. The fact that God was incarnate and walked amongst us is a reason for our praise in the middle of any difficulty. It is in these moments when we can turn our eyes and our hearts to God and repeat and remind ourselves of the beauty of being chosen, of being asked, of being invited to to this eternal covenant. Today, I read a beautiful story from one of my friends who sent it, and it talks about someone that was in Dachau, and I'm going to say that word wrong, but it was one of the concentration camps, and I tend to say it in Spanish, I'm sorry. And a Jew was being taken to his death, suddenly flung a small bag at my father, Judah Wallace. He's telling the story. The son is telling it. He caught it, thinking it might contain a piece of bread. But opening it, he was disturbed to discover a pair of teflon. Judah was very frightened because he knew that were he to be caught carrying teflon, he would be put to death instantly. And this is the cord that the Jewish people tied in their arm and it goes up to their head. So he hid the teflon under his shirt and headed for his bunkhouse. In the morning, just before the appeal or the roll call, while still in his bunk house, he put on the teflon 
Unexpectedly, a German officer appeared, ordered him to remove it, noted the number on Judah's arm. At the roll call in front of thousands of silent Jews, the officer called out Judah's number, made no choice, but he had no choice but to step forward. The German officer waved the Teflon in the air and said, Dog, I sentence you to death by public hanging for wearing these. Judah was placed on a stool and a noose was placed around his neck. Before he was hung, the officer said in a mocking tone, Dog, what is your last wish? To wear my Teflon one last time, Judah replied. The officer was dumbfounded. He handed Judah the Teflon. As Judah put them on, he recited the verse that is said, while the Teflon are being wound around the fingers. I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me with righteousness and justice and with kindness and with mercy, and I will betroth you to me with fidelity, and you shall know God. It is hard for us to picture this Jew with a noose around his neck, wearing a Teflon on his head and arm, but that was the scene that the entire camp was forced to watch as they awaited the impending hanging of the Jew who had dared to break the rule against wearing Teflon. Every woman from the adjoining camp were lined up at the barbed wire fence that separated them from the men's camp, forced to watch this horrible sight. As Judah turned to watch the silent crowd, he saw tears in many people's eyes. Even at that moment, he was about to be hanged. He was shocked. Jews were crying. How was it possible that they still had tears left to shed for a stranger? Where were those tears coming from? Impulsively in Yiddish, he called out, Yidin, I am the victor. Don't you understand? I am the winner. The German officer understood the Yiddish and was infuriated. He said to Judah, You dog, you think you are the winner. Hanging is too good for you. You are going to get another kind of death. Judah, my father, was taken from the stool and the noose was removed from his neck. He was forced into a squatting position and two huge rocks were placed under his arms. Then he was told that he would be receiving twenty-five lashes to his head, the head on which he had dared to position his teflon. The officer told him that if he dropped even one of the rocks, he would be shot immediately. In fact, because this was such an extremely painful form of death, the officer advised him, drop the rocks now, you'll never survive the 25 lashes to the head. Nobody ever does. Judah's response was, no, I won't give you the pleasure. At the 25th lash, Judah lost consciousness and was left for dead. He was about to be dragged to a pile of corpses, after which he would have been burned in a ditch. When another Jew saw him, shoved him to the side, covered his head with a rag so people didn't realize he was alive. Eventually, after he recovered consciousness fully, he crawled to the nearest bunkhouse that was on raised piles and hid under it until he was strong enough to come out under his own power. Two months later, he was liberated. During the hanging and beating episode, a 17-year-old girl had been watching the events from the women's side of the fence. After liberation, she made her way to Judah. She walked over to him and said, I've lost everyone. I don't want to be alone anymore. I saw what you did that day when the officer wanted to hang you. Will you marry me? My parents walked over to the rabbi and requested that he perform the marriage ceremony. He did. <clears throat> he wrote a kebubah, the marriage contract by hand from memory, and married the couple. And the person who wrote it, Rabbi Joseph Wallace, has that note in his possession to this day. I thought that 
story was very beautiful because it talks about persistence, perseverance in the face of the utmost trials. And sometimes we can think that our trials are great, but there are people who have endured terrible, terrible, terrible things. And it is important to read them so that we can take courage and know that we can continue, that we can walk, that we can walk in faith and courage together with one another. That man in the concentration camp was filled with the Holy Spirit. His stance of courage and his ability to rise above the misery and the evil that that officer from the Nazi team was exhibiting, the lack of respect for humanity, the lack of dignity, the lack of respect for life, for common brotherhood. He did not see anyone in front of him as a person. And this man, Judah, stands tall in the middle of all of that hardship for what is true and good in the eyes of God. Jesus tells us a story today about that kind of perseverance, not to stop praying, even if we are having a hard time, even if we feel like we're not receiving what we're asking for, but to know God's times and God's moments. Jesus says to the disciples, imagine that one of you has a friend and at midnight receives another friend saying, hey, give me three loaves of bread for I have somebody coming. This doesn't happen to us in our world, but hospitality like this was very, very important for people in older times. And people would come from journeys and there were no hotels or inns. And so they would have to open their doors for each other. And Jesus says, if that person doesn't open the door because it's late, he will open it if the person continues knocking and asking, please help me, please do it. Uh, I need you, you're my friend. His persistence will make him get the friend to help him. Jesus says, I tell you, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks will have the door open. And your Father in heaven is much better than any of you. So how could he not do that? Let us go to the throne then, boldly, for our nation, for our state, for our city, for our neighborhood, for our home, for our marriage, for our family, for our work, for our finances, for our possessions, for our health, for our well-being. Let us go to the throne with generosity. No one outdoes God. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under the inner room emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.